Welcome into Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite, Casey Phillips and Scott Smith here. And this is where we take all of your questions. So make sure if you're looking on Facebook, that's where you can submit those in the comments underneath the live video. Anything Bucks related, draft related, free agency. We got a lot of time here where we get popping. to talk a lot of things. Already got a lot of people commenting. So make sure if you have some questions for us, go throw those in underneath our live video. Uh, I know as we let people start getting those rolling in, um, we were talking about John Lynch and that yeah. this is a very potentially exciting week for him. So first of all, just tell us a little bit about the background of his efforts to get okay. in, what we think about the odds of him getting right. in, just that overall picture. Since John's been eligible, I, I th he was a semifinalist his first year and maybe for two years. And then starting in 2014, he first made the list of finalists, uh, 15 modern era guys. There's usually a couple guys also from the Veterans Committee. Uh, but so he's been a finalist every year since, including this year, which is six years in a row. And each year, of course, we get very excited, as we are right now, that this is going to be the year that John will get in. Um, a you know, you don't see a lot of guys wait that long. Uh, generally, they either get elected within a few years or start dropping off the ballot. So to be con considered every single year is kind of interesting. And I, I actually did not know this and found out a new stat or uh, note, I guess, on John Lynch that is encouraging in terms of his, his candidacy in that there have been 22 guys prior to John who have been candidates, have been finalists for six straight years, and 21 of them eventually made it into the Hall of Fame. Wow. There have been 30 guys who have been finalists at least six years, not necessarily consecutively, and 28 of them have been in the Hall of Fame. And what that tells me is these voters keep putting a guy like John into their finalists every year because they consider him a serious candidate and a guy they want to get in, but every year there's there's five other guys that, that, that make it instead of him because nowadays right. used to be wasn't always five guys. Some, some Hall of Fame classes would be two or three, but there's just such a logjam that every year they're picking five. So every year you, you look at the the list and it's some holdovers like John, but there's always some new guys and uh, it looks relatively promising this year. That's that's awesome. That would be huge. What, what do you think it will be if they decide to put him in? What will it be about him? Well, again, I think I think that he's considered Hall of Fame worthy by those voters. They just keep choosing five other guys each year because there's a lot of guys that are worthy. Okay, so you got John Lynch who's been in nine Pro Bowls. Just about everybody who's eligible that's been in nine Pro Bowls is in the Hall of Fame or eventually gets into the Hall of Fame. He was a Super Bowl champion. He's in Ring of Honor of two different teams. He's got you know, a million tackles. He, what doesn't help him is compared to some safeties who are in the Hall of Fame, he, he has 26 interceptions, which is good, especially considered the whole package. But it's not like the same number as, as the, the safeties that are in the Hall of Fame. Most of them have more picks than that. But that really wasn't all of John Lynch's game. When you add that into the fact that he was considered maybe the hardest hitting player of his entire generation, one, one of the top, according to the NFL in their little videos, one of the top 10 hitters in NFL history, you know, that that's a whole package that you got to put together and consider. And I think this could be the year because what you got to look at first is who are the new guys on the ballot and how many of them are those shoe-in first ballot Hall of Famers like a Brett Favre a couple years ago. Ed Reed probably is, Tony Gonzalez probably is, and Champ Bailey probably is close, maybe a first ballot, maybe not. So two or three spots taken up already leaves two or three left for holdover guys. And then you look at who's there, and, and there's some worthy guys there, like in Edrin James or a Ty Law. But you could see them choosing John Lynch now and maybe getting back to a guy like Ty Law, who's only been a finalist for two years in a row. 
See what I'm saying? Right. So yeah. That's this could be the year where they go, okay, this is our opportunity to, to get, get him a in. Kyle Engine. I'm hoping. That's Hopefully, yes. Yeah. Uh, related to the Hall of Fame, Tyson wants to know, <clears throat> do you think Rondé was snubbed? I do. I do, absolutely. And it's a little frustrating if you're a Bucks fan on those two guys because John Lynch tends to get dinged because some of the numbers don't seem like they're there. Interceptions, as I mentioned. Uh, Rondé Barber has numbers like crazy. I mean, he's got some records. He's got NFL records. He's the only... 40 interception, 25 sack guy in, t in league history. He had the most consecutive starts ever for a cornerback. He won a Super Bowl. He's got all. He's got plenty of interceptions, sacks. He's got the most tackles for any cornerback that you can find on Pro Football Reference. Tackles are a little difficult because they've been tallied in different ways. But he was just a great player all around. But the detractors say two things. One, they say he was a system guy. He, that his success was based on the fact that he played in the cover two. Well, so what? That was the defense that he played in, and he was extremely good at it. And he helped make that version, the Bucks version of it, extremely good. And then the other thing they say is, okay, you already have two guys in the Hall of Fame from that defense you know, Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks, and now you want John Lynch and Roddy Barber. You want four guys from one defense that was a team that won one Super Bowl. But to me, that one Super Bowl is only one part of Rondé's 16-year career, which right. was excellent from beginning to end. Okay. Uh, next question. I know we'll be getting this a lot, uh, at least through probably free agency. John said, what is the backup quarterback situation? <laughs> yeah, well, we answered the exact same question last week, right? Yes. Uh, the backup quarterback situation is there isn't anybody under contract right now. So um, that's going to be answered i suppose either before free agency starts because we you know you can re-sign your own guys before free agency starts or shortly thereafter but um you know i know who they're, they're obviously wondering about what's the future with ryan griffin and, and ryan fitzpatrick and like we said last week it's a little less clear especially for ryan griffin this year because it's a new coaching staff we obviously knew and it was said many many times what Dirk cutter and his staff how they felt about ryan griffin we don't know about how Bruce Arians and, and his staff is going to evaluate Ryan, so it's a little early to tell on that. Okay. Uh, next we have Patrick who asked, what do you think Bruce Arians' main focus will be for as far as helping Winston? So some of the main ideas of what he'll work <sighs> on with Jameis. Well, I'm sure it'll be decision-making, right? And, and that seemed to be getting better already uh, at the end of last year. Um, he's got all the talent we've seen. He can make the throws. I guess the other thing that Jameis can improve on, in, other than the obvious decision-making in terms of you know throws that lead to turnovers, and, and holding on the ball that leads to turnovers is the deep ball. I, I mean, I think it's fair to say that as excellent as Jameis's numbers have been in many categories and as well as he throws some really hard throws like those intermediate deep outs, the accuracy on the deep balls has not been consistently there. So if he could help him with that, that would make a difference, I think. Okay, and Sean said, do you think we'll take a running back in this year's draft? Well, we just did last year in the second round. So... Uh, uh, I don't see it in the first few rounds. I mean, I think that a lot of teams, once they get to the middle rounds and on, are not necessarily locked into a certain position. They're just what's left that's high on our board. So if there's a running back that we like a lot that's unexpectedly still there in the fourth or fifth round, something like that, I could see it. I don't think it's a focus. I've also seen a few people asking about if the <clears throat> entire uh, scouting department is still the same or is it how much is – you know, Bruce Arians in terms right. of his um, role in that. So well, the, there's been there. no changes to that, and that's not surprising because um, for the whole scouting department, their year of activity basically runs from right after the draft through the draft. So, you know, because if you think about it, that whole scouting, Jason Light and his whole scouting department have been working on the draft all throughout the uh, all throughout the season and now, and to switch now and to bring in a whole new group of evaluators after you've already – had this group 
um, gather everything wouldn't really work. So uh, I don't, that's not to say I anticipate any changes, but, um, you know, because Jason Light was in, in charge of the coaching search, right? So, I mean, it's Jason Light's staff that we're talking about here. I mean, there's changes in the, uh, every team's scouting staff, a little here and there pretty much every year. Guys move on or find another job, something like that. But uh, I don't anticipate big changes, but if there were, they would be after the draft. Okay. Uh, and Mike wants to know, do you believe Hargraves can play press and continue to be on this roster under this new defense? Oh, absolutely. Especially the second part, continue on this roster, because I don't think as it stands now, your cornerback depth is particularly uh, deep, right? right? I mean, you got, uh, you got Carlton Davis, who looks promising, and, and MJ Stewart, you know, he, he was injured down the stretch a lot, so it was a little hard to get a good evaluation on him. But um, you just you don't really have a lot of depth at cornerback, uh, so it seems a given that he'll be back on the roster. And, right. And we think, you and I think, that he looked good in training camp and to start the season. I know we're only talking about one game because he got hurt at the end of that game, but he was one of the better defenders in that game. Uh, so, yes, I think he can play press. I think he can play in the slot and play that, and the question will be, uh, can he also play that dual role of being the starting outside corner in, in base formations? And when the season started last year, he was. But I don't think we saw enough to know that that was going to work out. Right. Uh, we had a question from Tom wondering if Chris Conti is under contract. Oh. I believe I don't believe I saw his name on the free agent list. Gosh, I feel bad. I don't know. I know. That's I funny. Can't remember. That's part of why I was excited he asked this because I all of a sudden was like, you were hoping I would. Tell I was answer. hoping <laughs> you knew the answer because I, was, I, I just looked yesterday at our list of free agents. Mm -hmm. I don't remember seeing his name on there. Well, let's go with your answer. then. Sure. We'll go with okay. that. I, uh, yeah, that's interesting. What, what do you feel like his role, if he is still here, could be in this defense and how does he fit with, we, he's one of the guys we haven't talked about. We talked about like Hargraves and certain individual yeah. guys. We hadn't really talked about him. Uh, we're getting word from off camera that somebody did, that he did is the a free agent. He, there we go. That he's going unrestricted. to be a free agent. unrestricted free agent. There okay. you go. So that's what I meant so to say. So his role in the defense will be nothing if he's not resigned. There you go. Um, I do think that uh, you know you got two potential starters already in place in Justin Evans and, and Jordan Whitehead. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure um, that. You know, I don't think you'd walk right back into a starting spot right. if you resigned. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, we've had a few different questions about how Gerald McCoy could fit within this defense as well. Well, again, all of these questions about how guys fit in this defense, we have to answer with the way that both Coach Arians and Todd Bowles answered repeatedly to these questions that they're going to fashion their defense around the talent that we have and what they do best. So we got to stop worrying about is it a 3-4, is it a 4-3. Right. It's probably both. It's probably more 4-3 because there's not a lot of true 3-4. Um, I know Gerald himself, didn't he tweet out the other day, 3-4, 4-3, 2-5. Yeah, you play football, you know, yeah. Three technique, whatever it is, I can do it. It's football. Um, and I think that's true. I, you know, you take a guy like Gerald and put him in a true 3-4, he would probably be – one of what they call defensive ends, not the nose tackle, but the DNs who are still playing shaded inside or either on one shoulder or the other of the guard. They're still probably playing one gap football. I think Bruce said they were they were mostly a one gap defense, not a two gap defense. And and so that's what he's built for. So I don't think Gerald McCoy would have any trouble fitting in whatever this defense is going to be. Uh, Brian said, what are the odds <coughs> that we sign veteran DB talent in free agency over drafting and starting rookies again? Well, that makes a lot of sense. Just it depends on what's available, right? right. And, you know, we, a lot of people have already asked us about guys like Tyron Matthew. <laughs> Matthew, and they ask about Patrick Peterson, who, as he said at the Pro Bowl, when, when confronted with this question, uh, I'm still in a contract with the yeah. Cardinals. So that's all there is to that at the moment, at least. Um, 
But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But again, it depends on who's available. Uh, I think you know that would it's, you're you're probably. I mean, Brent Grimes's contract is up, right? So um, you're probably if he doesn't resign, you're losing the you know most seasoned veteran on your team. Right. And, and you're right. You do have some young guys, and and really. Given that he's had missed some time in a couple seasons due to injury, you still have to consider Vernon Hargraves kind of one of the young guys, right? So you do have a pretty young group there, so it would make some sense to have a veteran presence. Your safeties are young, too. I mean, right. Justin Evans in his third year, Jordan Whitehead in his second year. So, yeah, I think that makes sense. Okay. Uh, and Tom was asking if there are players that don't fit within what Bruce Arians is wanting, when would we start seeing them be let go? Um, probably pretty close to free agency, which is March – 13th this year maybe mm -hmm. uh it's at some point in the first two weeks of march um yeah it would be closer to that i mean every now and then you see a player released uh in early february but those are generally guys that it was kind of obvious when the season ended that that right. was gonna, i think maybe we did that with doug martin last year um or an early february release but most of those veteran re release guys happen a little closer to free agency okay uh, and Ryan wanted to know how the kicking group is going to look for this next season. Are we going to go through several kickers again, or do you think that we'll be able to stick with Cairo? <laughs> well, that's obviously not the plan. Nope. It's never the plan to go through several kickers, but it, the answer could be neither of those. I mean, I think there will probably be some competition for Cairo, but hopefully once you get to the season and you have your guy, it, things will go well enough that we don't have to go through several kickers. Right, yeah. That's the plan, obviously. Yeah. Uh, O'Neal said, how do we feel about the progress of Vita on the defensive line? Oh, Seems like maybe he just needs some more time on the field, but I like this kid. We feel great about him. Yeah, I mean, his progress during the season was um, really, really uh, encouraging. You know, obviously he had the injury, cost him a lot of time early, made him a little bit rusty, I guess, a little bit out of, sh out of football shape when he came back. Um, he apparently had a little trouble adjusting right off the bat to playing in the NFL. Right. But then down the stretch – you could make an argument that he was our most effective defensive lineman down the stretch. You know, JPP, you'd have to say, was the one overall. But he, he was banged up a lot down the stretch, and the sack totals sort of fell off. Um, Vita Vea was really making a difference uh, in the last four or five games. And he looked like what you were hoping, just a guy that's so disruptive in the middle. It's going to blow things up, going to make a lot of tackles in the backfield. It's going to occupy blockers to free up other guys. But also, maybe he gives you some sacks. And three sacks isn't doesn't overwhelm you you know when you look at them with three sacks but we're talking about a defensive tackle who maybe that wasn't his number one thing anyway and if if he could play like he did in the last four or five games for the full season those three sacks probably become more like six or seven and you add that into everything else he does for you on defense I think that's a real impact player and that's what he was supposed to be when we drafted him so I think it's very encouraging right all right we'll close on this one Victor said uh what do you think the Bucks are looking for in the draft as far as a top priority <laughs> Uh, what do I think they're looking for? Um, I doubt that there's one single priority. I would note that uh, this draft, the strength in it appears to be defensive linemen. Um, so I would think that would be one place you'd be looking since you're picking fifth overall. But, you know, there's concerns on the offensive line. There's always concerns in the secondary. Uh, so it could be a number of things, but I'll go with defensive line. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks, as always, for joining us, and we'll be right back here every week at 10 for taking your questions. So always tune in right here on Facebook. We'll see you next time.